In the Canadian justice system, animals' interests are rarely represented, but the lawyers at Animal Justice fight to give them a voice in court and the political system. This is the Pawn Order Podcast, and these are their stories. Everybody, hello and welcome to a very special episode 12 of Paw and Order. In today's show, we are touching on a host of news. We're going to talk about the Edmonton Humane Society and some recent goings-on uh, in that organization. We'll talk about uh, Bill S203 and what is going on with our Senate and their passing of an important bill dealing with animals. We'll talk about Montreal and their banning horse carriages, which we are very excited about. And of course, our highlight of today's episode, a recap of the unbelievable Animal Justice 10-year anniversary gala with my host and the gala uh, host extraordinaire, Camille Lapchuk. Hey, Peter. How's it going? (laughs) Camille, it's going fantastic. We are both on a high, um, still uh, really basking, at least I am, in the great feelings from this incredible event we just went through last week. Yeah, it really, really was just like the most special night. I said this when I was giving my my speech at the event, that it was like one of the best nights of my life. And that wasn't a lie. (laughs) That was the honest truth. It was just so incredible. Um, I'm still recovering from it today. We're recording this episode one week after the gala and I'm still like, I'm like 85% recovered, but still not quite all the way there yet. Cause it was so monumental and so mind blowing. So yeah. And Did you have a good time? The, I had an unbelievable time, Camille, and it was just incredible to be there to see so many good friends and people who've really made this movement come together. And I have so many little things to touch on. I'd be remiss if I didn't say um, this. This is uh, the the one downside of an audio podcast is you're not getting the visuals. And uh, there are over 200 incredible pictures from this event that you can see on the Animal Justice Facebook page. Is that right, Camille? Yeah, go check them out. We posted them all. Tag yourself in the photos if you were at the gala because we'd really love those to get shared. And uh, feel free to reshare them too, and uh, those will get out into the world. Well, and I would be remiss if I didn't point out, we don't stand on that sort of stuff here at Animal Justice. We are hardworking people, and we care about results, not images. But let me just say, uh, Camille Labchuk was, you know, dressed to the hilt. She looked fantastic. She was at least <laughs> the second most beautiful woman there. Uh, and uh, of course, after my lovely wife, who was also dressed <laughs> to the hilts. And uh, really, the the this is one of those times where I, I have to say, Camille, I mean, I did my best to dress up myself, but this is one of those times where the women of the animal law movement really get to shine at a gala because no matter how how nicely uh, we try to put on our accessories, uh, the men, I think, get left a bit to the side to the incredible uh, dresses that were on display at this gala. <laughs> well, thanks, Peter. It was, it was fun to dress up. Um, I had a really sequiny dress, which was like just so much fun. And I kind of feel bad for you men because I don't think it's really as cool or like acceptable for men to wear sequins, but it should be because they feel and they look awesome. But yeah, I mean, everyone looked fabulous. There was lots of awesome vegan footwear. Uh, One guest made her own dress out of like this fabulous 
shiny gold material. Shout out to Allie. Oh my God, and it was pretty incredible. I know, I know. She's in the photos, so see if you can find her. You'll see her because she's wearing an amazing gold dress. But everyone just looked amazing. And it's something that we don't get to do often enough in the animal rights movement is just dress up and celebrate all the victories that we've accomplished together. So that's one of the reasons it was so much fun. Yes, it was the, the that much-loved combination of animal law and fashion really came together <laughs> at this gala. Because it and was... And I... I I have to say I had some friends here, some of my uh, uh, lawyer friends here, uh, you know, may or may not be single men lawyer friends, um, realizing that animal law may well be the place to be. Because as we know, Camille, from the many photos that get displayed on Women's Day every year, it's really women who are running the show in the animal law movement, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's very, very woman driven. Um, like most of my role models in the field have been women, which I think is sometimes unusual for a legal field because especially lawyers who've been practicing at it for a long time tend to be overwhelmingly more men. But that's not the case here. Peter, you're actually <laughs> a total minority. No, I, I'm nothing, Camille. I've seen those pictures. It's really women, women, and more women. And the truth of it is, like, you know, we're just here to, to, to help propel you all off onto greater glory, which is, is fine with me, Camille. It evens up for the rest <laughs> of society. Uh, well, it will That's one of our future episodes, by the way, Camille. Gender and the animal law movement. That is coming soon to a podcast studio near you. Oh, that one sounds like fun and, and not at all contentious. <laughs> uh, but Peter, anyway, it was an amazing night. There was some great food. I wanted to give a shout out to some of the amazing companies that joined us for the gala. We had delicious food sponsored and um, catered by hearty catering nuts for cheese and soaks vegan cheese were both on hand during the reception and they were serving their amazing cashew cheese which if anyone knows me cashew cheese is basically my favorite thing ever so it was great to have them there we had uh, vegan chef and nutritionist amy symington prepare the dessert and oh gosh peter we had some awesome award winners there too that we presented and honored for their amazing efforts in the field uh, we gave eco justice an award we gave writer jessica scott reed an award and we talk about jess all the time on the podcast so it was, it was awesome to have her there in person uh woolly outerwear for their awesome cruelty-free winter jackets and other outerwear that's replacing fur trim products like canada goose um who else oh mp michelle rempel got an award for her animal protection bill and uh, finally, our friends at Navigator and Insight Communications for their help making sure that Bill S203, the, the whale and dolphin bill, passes through Parliament. So, gosh, it was special. Yeah, it was uh, truly, truly an incredible evening. And I, I, I loved uh, just seeing the, the energy in the room was unbelievable. The people uh, making connections. Uh, you, you know, you're going to you don't need to hear my feelings about the night because the main segment today is essentially a series of interviews that I did at the gala. So you'll get an impression of some of the incredible people I ran into. But I, I wanted to um, talk about what I think is so amazing to watch when you when you have a gala of this size is, is how, how far we've come. And we talk talked about this in the last episode with Nick Wright, but seeing all those people come into the room and just seeing the, the level of, of, of just incredible people in every aspect of, of, of industry. And, you know, we had politicians there and, and, and journalists and, and lawyers from all over the spectrum. And, and I have to say, um, for me, 
this was really one of the first time that the various that the academics came together in the field that we don't get together all that often and it was amazing how many academics uh, came forward and and what's so interesting for me as an academic of course is we don't have to go back that far, Camille, if you think about it. it. It was, I started doing this work in 2001. And if you look at what was going on in Canada in 2001, I would say the only person doing even part-time work on animal stuff was probably Vaughn Black at Dow. Does that sound about fair in 2001? Yeah, I would say so from the academic perspective. I mean, Leslie Bisgold had her practice back then, but she wasn't teaching animal law yet. Right. It was pretty quiet. And, and then you can flash forward to when I came over in 2012. So I came back to Canada and started working, sorry, at, uh, at Western in 2011 and then on to Alberta in 2012. And even as recently as 2011, 2012, at that point, Vaughn is doing, uh, uh, still doing work at Dalhousie and Manisha Decca has started in Victoria and she's now working full time. So you could say there are now three of us. And then suddenly we're at this event, uh, uh, last night and you're talking about four or five more academics specializing in animal law and some PhD candidates coming up on the way. Like it was pretty incredible just to be surrounded by all those people who are thinking and writing about these issues. Yeah, that was pretty epic. Honestly, most of the animal law profs in the country were in that room. So <laughs> that's a pretty cool feat. Yeah, no, and, and I just still could not get over how many there were. Like, it was really, I'm still, I, I was just stunned. I, and I did interviews with most of them. So you're going to hear from almost everyone. Sorry, guys, I, I'm an academic, so I, I got a lot of academics on board. But it was just incredible. And, and to me, that's just symbolic of the new energy and excitement surrounding these issues. And I could tell how excited they were to be a part of it. And that just, you know, made me realize, you know, how special this evening really was. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. So, so what more. was your what was your favorite part, Camille? If you had to try and pick a highlight, what would it be? Oh gosh, my highlight I think was the recap video. So listeners, by the time that we post this episode, the video should be out. So check our Facebook page to watch it. But it's a 10-year anniversary video, and we worked so hard on it. We compiled a bunch of footage of all the stuff that Animal Justice has been up to for the last 10 years. Actually, not all of it, because there's too much to fit into 10 minutes. But some of the highlights and some of the major victories we've had, and interviews with our team, interviews with politicians, with, with professors, about the impact that we've all had together as a community on this field in 10 years. And I think that when we played that video, Peter, like the sense of excitement and inspiration in the room, like it was just palpable. Yeah, it was it was amazing. The video, I think, went off really well. And I was pleased to see, Camille, that it's only been around for the past six months of animal justice. But even Pawn Order got a shout out in the video, which I thought was very <laughs> special. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't miss Pawn Order in the video. It's been such a such a big part of this year for sure. And I, I should report, of course, Camille, because I did say I was going to be making a donation to Animal Justice based on how many people came to see me up in Point Order. And I got to tell you, Camille, it was really cool. There were a lot of people. I mean, some of it was just, you know, people who had been egged into doing it by either you or Kim. I'm not sure who it was. But there were legitimately people <laughs> who were coming up to me, and I had never met them before, which was really exciting. And they were all like, oh, my God, I listened to you on Point Order. It's a lot of fun. We love it. And Heroes and Zeros is our favorite segment. So I can report, I don't remember exactly how many people it is, Camille, but I'm going to round it up to 10 because I think it was about 10 people. <laughs> and I think there were more who were thinking about it, Camille, but they couldn't get around to remembering it. 
Okay, so Peter, if it was ten people, remind me how much you were gonna donate for every person. I believe, I believe, I believe it was fifteen dollars, Camille. So, and let me just say, I have already donated some money as part of the gala, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna kick in another hundred and fifty dollars. And by the way, Camille, I should add two other things because I'm gonna forget. And I know we're talking about the gala, but we sort of moved into donations. I want to have a special shout out. Um, as you know, two days ago was my daughter Penny's birthday. And uh, she, of course, is a big supporter of animal justice. And I am aware already that an extra donation was made on Penny's behalf. And I can tell you that tomorrow is Penny's birthday party. And as you know, all the kids are bringing gifts, which is essentially donations for animal justice. So there is even more money coming out of our household towards the animal justice cause. Wow, you guys are single-handedly keeping the organization afloat. I I love it. I love Penny's compassion. <laughs> yeah, not quite. Not quite. I think we'll get to the point where we've supported enough to pay for that like beautiful microphone that we used for the gala. <laughs> well, we Which, should by the way, back. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say we should report back to listeners that uh, the gala from uh, a benefit perspective was a success of course it was a fundraising event and we wanted to to get some uh get some gifts contributed to make sure that we can um, have the next 10 years even more special than the last 10 so the gala did raise forty-seven thousand dollars, and that is huge and i'm just so grateful and inspired by all the members of our community who came together to make that happen yeah, absolutely. It's going to get us uh, to be able to do some uh, wonderful work in future. So great job, Camille. Great job by the organizers to put it together. It was a truly incredible event. Woohoo! All right. So let us move on to in the news. There is lots of news as we were prepping for the gala. Literally, we were prepping for the gala and dealing both Camille and myself with the fallout from a recent story involving the Edmonton Humane Society. Camille, you want to just give the listeners the basics? It was a pretty heartbreaking situation. Uh, essentially, what happened is the Edmonton Humane Society, of course, um, fosters animals, adopts them out. Sometimes, apparently, what it does is it um, brings animals from one location to its uh, center in Edmonton. So it was out on one of these trips. It picked up some cats. It brought the cats back to its center. And unfortunately, not all of the cats made it in from the transport vehicle. Uh, three of the cats were left in that external vehicle for uh, 22 days between March 27th and April 28th. Um, and when they were discovered, the cats were dehydrated, they were starving, and apparently they suffered from urine burns on their paws, but somehow they survived. I'm, I'm still not even sure how that's possible. I wish that we had more information because it, it's it's like three, three weeks. It's just such a long time to subsist without food or water. But essentially that happened, Peter. And um, of course, this became a big news story. It, it hit uh, the, the papers and TV in a big way. And what was interesting to us at Animal Justice is that this incident appears to contravene the Provincial Animal Protection Act, which prohibits causing distress to animals, and it imposes requirements that people provide them with adequate food, water, and shelter. Um, so, you know, this incident is potentially in violation of those laws. But guess who is tasked with investigating and, and prosecuting those laws? It's actually the Edmonton Humane Society itself. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, yeah, yeah, it was uh, definitely, we were aware of this. But luckily, the Edmonton Humane Society, well, I guess not luckily, the Edmonton Humane Society 
released a statement saying they had looked at the issue and they were going to take remedial measures to ensure it didn't happen again. And they said, of course, focusing on the people involved, that they're very upset about it. And uh, that's pretty much all the Edmonton Humane Society did. So we weren't yeah, too happy to be, about that. Yeah. And just to put one thing out there, um, you know, Peter, you and I, neither of us doubt that the people who work at the Edmonton Humane Society care very deeply about the animals that they help. And I'm sure they were extremely upset and felt terrible over this incident. That's definitely not an issue in any way. But what our concern is, is that there's a huge conflict of interest here. If the organization, which is alleged to have potentially violated the law, is also in charge of enforcing that law, that is a massive conflict. And yeah, uh, I was. That an ex go ahead. Sorry, go ahead, Camille. I didn't know. Well, we I didn't know you hadn't finished. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, we think that it's appropriate for an external agency like the Edmonton Police to come in and immediately investigate, and they should determine if charges should be laid. Yeah, so to me, I, I was very clear in all my statements on this that I have no, I have no, no doubt. I'm willing to accept at face value, without any other information, that this was a clear accident, that nobody wanted this to happen, and that there was uh, uh, no hint of wrongdoing, and that everybody felt bad about it. And as far as I'm concerned, that doesn't matter because at the end of the day, the uh, when you have a police organization, and effectively for these purposes, the Edmonton Humane Society is a police organization that gets to decide when charges are laid. It is completely inappropriate for you to make that decision about yourself, and that's just that's just a basic principle of justice that takes place in our society. When a police officer is alleged to have done something wrong in a Canadian police department, the internal police department does not get to, you know, investigate and say, no, it's all good here. You know, he feels bad about it. Let's move on. Because frankly, Camille, if I was an animal abuser and I had animals in my care and I left them in my car for 22 days and I said to the Amendment Humane Society, I'm sorry about that. I feel really bad that that would not be enough to answer the question. And I don't think that the Edmonton Humane Society gets to answer that question for themselves. No, absolutely not. As you said, Peter, this is just a fundamental tenet of our justice system that there needs to be investigative independence. And this conflict is really, really troubling. Uh, from the information that we have from the Humane Society, it doesn't even appear that they necessarily investigated themselves with a view to laying charges. All they've said really is that they conducted an internal review and that they've made some policy changes as a result. So, you know, I don't even think that they've taken that step. Yeah, and I, I think what's so worrisome about it, this is a long-running theme of the show. We've talked about this in depth, about the concern about, you know, having animal cruelty charges or animal protection charges run by a private institution. And essentially, the SPCA, the Humane Society of Edmonton, is a private organization that has its own interests to protect. And again... Let me be clear. I'm not alleging wrongdoing. I'm not saying this was even their motivation. This may have been an innocent slip. They may not have thought about these things. None of that matters to me. It just doesn't matter. At the end of the day, um, the whole principle of investigative independence rests on the idea that the public has confidence in what you're doing. And how can we be confident, no matter what the result is, when it's the same body that is tasked with investigating itself? That is just improper. Yeah, process is very important. Sometimes more important than the result itself is the process that you went through to get to that result because that's what gives people confidence that things were done fairly and justly and appropriately.
And, and I'll just finish off this talk, Camille, because I know we need to move on, but I just want to say nowhere is that more important than when we're dealing with animals. Like nowhere, because frankly, there is nobody else to speak. That's the problem. It's not as if, you know, if the police commit an assault, right, and they don't investigate it properly, well, that's wonder, you know, that's terrible, obviously, but, but, but the, 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 the victim can at least speak and bring it to other authorities and try and bring it to the police complaints commission or try and do something. Here, the worry with animals, it all just disappears into the ether and nobody cares because what we're dealing with is a private body and not a public body. What am I supposed to do? Bring this to the halls of parliament? Um, at the end of the day, we've been very clear on this in animal justice and we have been calling, or at least I have, on the Solicitor General of Alberta to investigate. At the end of the day, the, the, the Humane Society is ultimately responsible to the government of Alberta, and my view, when you have such a clear conflict, the government cannot just stand aside. Yeah, I uh, I could not possibly agree with that more. And you know, just just one final thing to wrap up uh, uh, this case is, we have no idea how many of these incidents might be going on regularly at humane societies or SPCA's because they are not required to to disclose anything, and there's no transparency, and the victims can't report um, issues themselves. And I'm not even sure if this case wouldn't have, would have uh, ever came to light if the media had not caught wind of it and, and started asking questions. Uh, the statement that the Humane Society put out came about six weeks. It came June 4th or 5th, and, and the cats were discovered on um, April uh, April 18th. So that was quite a, a lapse between that time. So there's a lot of troubling aspects of the, about this. And Peter, I just think it reinforces what we've been saying now for quite some time, which is that we need these functions to be overtaken by the government. Well, we believe that. And, and, and even if, if, if people don't agree with that aspect of it, Camille, what I've been saying in my discussion on this is there is both a small picture and a big picture issue here. The small picture is this particular investigation, but the big picture is to recognize that oversight needs to be managed by somebody in the same way as it is done with any other investigative force. There needs to be some process in place so that we can assure that if any of these things happen again, they don't just get uh, disappeared. There needs to be an oversight mechanism for any case in which there is a risk that Humane Society uh, staff were in potential violation of the act. Absolutely. All right, let's move on, Camille. I'm going to move on to uh, an issue that is near and dear to your heart. You were actually there to see our wonderful senators doing some very hard work on uh, a very important bill involving animals. Tell us a little bit about it. Yes, indeed. So as longtime listeners will know, we've been involved pretty extensively in the fight to pass Bill S-203, which would ban whale and dolphin captivity right across the country. And you'll also know that this bill has been held up in the Senate for such a long time. It was introduced two and a half years ago. And in that time, it's gotten through committee. It had like over a dozen witness hearing study dates with the committee, which is unprecedented for a private member's bill. And it finally has gotten back to the floor of the Senate, where it's now time for a vote after a lot of delay by conservative senators. And the uh, bill sponsor and supporters are just trying to get a vote on it. They're not you know, trying for anything more than just to have this bill voted on by senators. So we know if it's going to pass the Senate and then it can move to the House of Commons and they can do their thing over there. So on Tuesday, it looked like that was finally going to happen. Uh, that was Tuesday. What? I guess it was the uh, 12th of, uh, of June. So I was at the Senate pretty much all day with, with some of our team members. 
And we saw one senator move just to have a vote on this bill and, and get it going. And then what happened next was, was pretty shameful. So the conservative senators stood up. One of them tried to amend the bill to exempt the Vancouver Aquarium from it, which is one of the only two places that has whales and dolphins still. And then another senator stood up and tried to exempt marine land from it, which, again, is uh, the other place that has whales and dolphins still in captivity. So they were trying to gut the bill. Only that's not really their goal. They know that amendment would not pass. What they were actually trying to do was just delay this bill and prevent it from getting voted on. So through various procedural tactics, they managed to avoid the vote, um, but vote a bunch of times with hour delays <clears throat> in between them about whether to end the Senate for the day, about whether just to go home and, and some various other things. So we were there from about 3 p.m. until after 10 p.m. while they played these shenanigans. And as a result, the bill is still sitting in limbo, Peter. So it was a bad day <laughs> for democracy. Wow. Camille, what's the next step on this? Well, there's, I know there's lots of work being done right now by the supporters of this bill just to get it to a vote. The Senate has really weird rules of procedure, and unfortunately, there's lots of ways that conservatives can hold this up if they want to. Uh, and I shouldn't say all conservatives are, are trying to do this, but there's, there's one senator named Don Plett who really loves aquariums and is trying very hard to block this bill. Um, I think they know that if it gets to a Senate vote, it's likely going to pass because there's a lot of support for it. So their strategy is just to delay. So we'll see you next week if we can get enough people on board to um, to just push this forward and force it to a vote and get it out of the Senate before this uh, parliament rises for the summer. So I'm crossing my fingers. Wow. It's, uh, yeah, <laughs> democracy in action, Camille. You said it. Yeah, you know, there's actually an article in iPolitics where the leader of the independent senator group, Senator Wu, he says, and, and I agree with him totally, that if Canadians could see the spectacle that went on in the Senate that night, they would be embarrassed and ashamed. Because what this is, it, it's not democracy, it's not respecting uh, the will of the people, and it's not respecting Parliament. It's really just using procedural delay tactics to prevent senators from doing their job and voting on this law. It's embarrassing. Absolutely. All right, Camille, let's, uh, let's, uh, let, can we talk about something more positive? Do we have anything at all, anything at all that has happened recently that could be more positive? I think we have a candidate, I think we've Camille. got some good news out of Montreal, Peter, because the city wow. is banning horse carriages. Oh, my God. Every time Woo. we win one of these things, I'm simultaneously saying to myself, that is amazing, and how the hell, how, how the hell has this not happened already? Congratulations <laughs> to our very good friends in Montreal. I know that our especially good friends who, by the way, were present at the gala uh, from the Montreal SBCA did incredible work uh, in getting this, this move passed. It is high time to get these horses off the street where they are nothing more than a, a, a freaking spectacle for tourists, effectively, uh, to walk through the city in the old cobblestone roads of Montreal surrounded by cars. Uh, and all sorts of other things. It is absolutely terrible what has happened to these animals. Good news to get them off the road. Yeah, it's it's just the way the future is going. We just don't accept that it's okay anymore to keep using animals for entertainment and for, for thrills like this and for silly carriage rides that nobody needs to take. Uh, so this is really cool because 
the mayor of Montreal right now and the council are super animal friendly. So Mayor Valérie Plante was elected back in the fall and she replaced Denis Coderre, who'd been really bad for animals and introduced the breed specific legislation that banned pit bulls. And what we've seen now is that people during that election really connected with the animal issues. They voted for an animal friendly mayor and the city's now getting good policies. Uh, they've already kiboshed the the pit bull ban, which is great because it was a stupid law and really difficult to enforce. And now they're banning horse carriages and not just horse carriages, but they're introducing a, a new animal bylaw, which I haven't read in detail yet, but it sounds like it's pretty good too. So kudos to Montreal. Absolutely. Fantastic. And I think we're going to finish up this segment with just one more piece of good news, Camille. It turns out um, that vegan is the new kosher. Did you know that, Camille? <laughs> <laughs> oh, according to an awesome group of rabbis, that's the case. Boy, we're making headwinds even in the religious groups. You know veganism is, is taking some step forwards when we have the rabbis on board, Camille. Pretty fantastic. Yeah. I should just say for the record, for anybody who didn't know this, that um, well, first of all, kosher, which is a, uh, a part of the Jewish religion about uh, specific uh, uh, dietary laws, um, is, is really important. Anyway, I always eat well uh, dealing with kosher as long as you know the ins and outs. Are you aware of the ins and outs of kosher and how it's good for vegans, Camille, just out of curiosity? Mm, I wouldn't say I'm super well versed in it. Okay, fantastic. So I'm going to fill all our listeners in. So I have been, um, um, kosher food is one of the greatest sources of hidden vegan food. And the reason I say that is because um, it's not advertised as vegan food. You have to understand the kosher laws and then you can figure out what's vegan. So just to give you an example, I just bought back a wonderful supply of white chocolate chips um, from a kosher store in Montreal. And I did that because I know I'm not kosher myself, but I know that these chocolate chips are vegan and I will explain how. Are you ready? Yeah, bring it on. Here's the way it works, Camille. And for all our vegan listeners, here are tips for you. So the thing to understand about kosher is that nobody is more strict in the freaking world, I kid you not, about kosher laws than the people who have to produce kosher food. And what the most important law you need to understand is that you cannot mix milk and meat. That is the number one kosher rule. Okay? You with me so Got far? It. Got it. Okay. So whenever you see something that is called kosher parev, that's what you're looking for, P-A-R-E-V-E. -E. And the reason you're looking for kosher parev is, parev is what is called a neutral category. So by definition, it cannot contain milk or meat. So anything you pick up that says kosher parev, I can promise you, Camille, that there is not even a trace substance of some chemical that has milk or meat in it, because it can't. And they're absolutely, you know, what's the word I'm going to look for? I was going to say the wrong word. That's kind of a swear word. But you know what I mean? They're very strict yeah. about this. Make sense? Wow. I did not know that. I mean, I knew generally well, about the, the rule about milk and meat, but I didn't realize it was uh, such clear te terminology. Oh, no, it's fantastic. But I'm about to give you the downside. Okay. You ready uh -oh. for the downside? Okay. So here's the problem. You can't just run out if you're vegan and eat every kosher power of product there is. Because unfortunately, two products are defined as neutral. And that's where we get into problems. Eggs and fish products are oh, defined I knew as you were neutral. Say that. Okay. So essentially, what that means is you still have to do a little label snooping. But if you do the proper label snooping, 
you'll be always be able to ensure that none of the derivatives include milk or meat. So for example, one of the things that I eat very regularly is, uh, is, is kosher jello all the time, because by definition, it can't have gelatin in it, right? Ah. And it usually lists vegetable gelatin. There is no egg substance in there and there's no fish substance. So essentially what you're trying to find out is whether the product that is most likely to have milk or meat in it is in the kosher product. So vegan jello is vegan. Well, it's kosher jello, but it's vegan. Another good one is the array of ice cream products, Camille, because ice cream oh, yeah. products are, that's where you go crazy. And they have well, tons Peter, of them. One yeah. of my very favorite all-time ice cream products that's vegan is Tofuti brand stuff. And I know Tofuti yeah. was started by uh, people who wanted to make kosher products that uh, anyone could eat when they when they need them. And yeah, they you'll have get, like, amazing you'll get... ice cream sandwiches oh, and yeah. like, these ice cream bars and cream cheese. Yeah. It's also good. Yeah, so it's the same thing with the cheeses and everything like that. Before, you know, nut cheeses really became big, I used to get a lot of kosher cheeses that were kosher parav. So chocolate's the same, kosher parav chocolate, stuff like that. Anything where you're confident there's no egg. And of course, you can check the label because eggs will be listed. And what I did with the vegan chocolate chips is there are certain deliver derivatives like glycerin and things like that, right, that will sometimes be animal byproduct and sometimes not. But in the kosher parav situation, you know they're not because they can't be. So essentially, as long as you're careful looking at the ingredients, great source. Anyway, we got diverted, Camille, because vegan is apparently <laughs> the new kosher, and this has nothing to do with kosher parav. This has to do with rabbis feeling that it's time to move their ethical movement forward, and they've really embraced it as sort of a religious tenet, recognizing that it is part of the law of kosher, which is essentially founded on, according to these rabbis, it's an ethicism. The idea of being kosher in the first place is to reflect upon our ethical conduct. And I think these rabbis have called out and say, we should demand, here's the quote, from a Jewish perspective, we should demand that people should no longer collaborate or party to an industry which is problematic ethically, environmentally, even in terms of economic justice. Frankly, Camille, we couldn't have said it better ourselves. Yeah, and I really love how in the statement he focuses on, you know, maybe in the past eating meat wasn't so problematic because the methods of production were, were much different. But in this modern farming context, you just cannot consume these products and not be inflicting incredible suffering on other beings, which is contrary to the tenets of the religion. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. I am uh, very, very, very pleased uh, to hear all this. And it's, it's, it's just good news, isn't it? Definitely. Love it. All right. Well, that is our, our new segment of the week, and I am very, very excited about the next segment, Camille. You're going to hear us talking, but it's out of space and time because it begins <sighs> with an interview with Camille and myself sort of previewing. So I, I'm just warning you all, don't be confused. We're going back in time at least a week to our <laughs> wonderful gala. So let's take it away and hear from what happened at our 10th anniversary gala. Let's do it. Hi, everybody. Peter Sankoff here from Paw & Order with my co-host... Camille Labchuk. Hello, everyone. We are standing here at the gala event about 10 minutes before it's about to open. And honestly, Camille, you pulled it all together. How does it feel? Pretty good right now. I mean, we're looking around. The tables are all set up. It's just gorgeous. People are starting to trickle in. We've got some staff and volunteers, and they all just look totally fabulous. I can't wait. Yeah, honestly. And Camille looks pretty fabulous herself. You have to see her. She's got the long dress... The makeup, the hair. I mean, she always Check looks... Check out my Instagram, guys. She, she, oh, there we go. Check out the Instagram. <laughs> I'm sure we will be doing pawn order host photos at some point. But uh, 
it's a pretty exciting night. I, I, I can't believe how beautiful the venue is. A lot of people coming. It's just, it's, it's amazing. Kind of overwhelming, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I, you know, I just can't believe this day is finally here. We've been planning for this for over a year at this point. <laughs> it kind of felt like it would never come, but here we are. So my plan for this special uh, pawn order uh, uh, episode, I got to tell you, our uh, my co-host is is here to do the introductory remarks, but she will be needed much more than I will throughout this amazing event. So I, I hope to get her at some point later. But I will be interviewing some of the many amazing guests who are going to be here and asking them their views on what animal justice means. It should be a pretty good podcast. Don't you think, Camille? I think it's going to be a podcast to remember. We have in this room tonight just some of the most brilliant legal minds who work on animal issues in this country. We've got some amazing, inspiring, compassionate supporters. It really is like a once-in-a-lifetime type of event. So we are pretty excited. We'll get back to you throughout the evening telling you a little bit about what's going on in this uh, fantastic gala. So Camille, uh, congratulations for pulling this all off. Hope you enjoy it tonight. All right, I will. I, I guarantee you I will. Signing off for now. Okay. I'm here with my first guest of the evening. You've heard her before. She was the guest host for an episode not long ago, Anna Pippis, our director of farm animal advocacy. That's correct. Did I get I got it right without even thinking of I, I didn't really know, but I guessed that. <laughs> you were right on. Thanks, Peter. Great to be here. So how does it feel looking around this room? We're about to launch into this incredible gala. Uh, pretty amazing. Ten years of animal justice. Yeah, it's actually really hard to believe and just absolutely incredible to be here. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. We're not in the same room very often so it's nice to get everybody together and just uh, there's some incredible people coming here tonight as well it's pretty exciting yeah animal justice has some really incredible supporters and our supporters seem to be only growing in number every day and so many um, endorsements from really influential people I feel like animal justice is making crossroads every year it's growing and growing every single year it's like every year I think how can we possibly top this and then you know here we are celebrating 10 years and it just has, has grown up so, so much it's hard to believe. Yeah, it is pretty incredible. And uh, it's, 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 it's funny to think back. I mean, I was listening to Camille was talking about uh, on the last podcast a little bit about, you know, the origins of animal justice and how you guys met in law school and all this stuff. And I'm like, I remember that too. I remember coming and seeing you guys in law school. And I did a talk way back in the day. And I didn't, I didn't, you know, I guess I dreamed this could be possible, but uh, seeing what animal justice is able to do is, is just, it's, it's really amazing to see how far it's come. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, it really just has been one foot in front of the other and we've built something incredible, but it really was not that long ago, yeah, that we were in law school. And then shortly after that, that animal justice was a very tiny organization just of volunteers with a bit of a crazy dream that, that we just really believed in. But I think it really goes to show what people can do when they've got heart. And that's what we've got. We're so committed to this. That, um, that we've managed to just create this basically on faith. It, it is kind of cool. And you look around, and now you've got, like, it's hard, to, it's hard to obviously vocalize exactly what's going on, but we've got these long tables, and I've seen the guest list, and you're talking 200 uh, supporters really to come here and I think celebrate what Animal Justice has managed to achieve. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this whole night. I mean, it started great already, but I'm, I'm looking forward to all of it. Absolutely, can't wait. So let's go enjoy it. We will uh, get our next guest in soon, and uh, let's uh, continue celebrating animal justice. Thanks, Anna. Thanks, Peter. All right, I'm now here with Kimberly Carroll, the MC for the evening, ready to uh, get everybody whipped up into a fervor, <laughs> celebrating our animal justice, and also, like me, on the Animal Justice Board of Directors. Yes. 
Kim, how does it feel? Oh my goodness, Peter, this is going to be an epic night. I can feel it. Um, I have already had uh, a lot of problem getting here because my skirt is too big. Um, I've gotten caught in multiple doors, um, but that is not dissuading me. I am so excited to, as you say, whip this crowd into a frenzy. Fantastic. <laughs> Kimberly, how does it feel? 10 years of animal justice. When did, when did you join the organization? So I've been with Animal Justice. I was trying to figure that out. I think I've been with Animal Justice for four years now or five years. And, um, yeah, I came over in the exodus, I won't say from where. Uh, with, I, uh, I can guess where it's yeah, from. With, yes, with Camille and Anna. Yep. And uh, we brought, we, I, you know, my wonderful colleagues and I, uh, we put our attention and our love into animal justice. And um, it's just been an amazing experience. Beautiful team. Like, seriously, it's one thing to do such powerful work, but it's another thing to have people that you actually love that you do it with like that is a, a rarity yeah, absolutely and uh you've seen you've seen the organization grow what's been the the biggest change you've seen in the past i guess five years but yeah. even watching it from afar what have you seen happen well i mean um i think the the breadth of the organization has expanded a lot um we have i mean we're not only in the courts we're not only you know trying to put a presence in the par in parliament but we're also really affecting public opinion the court of public opinion um, I think for me you know I'm a, me a media darling that's my background so the fact that we have um, media coverage almost daily and you know op-eds on a regular basis we're I have never like five years ago that did not happen and now I'm like every day I open up the paper or see literally something. today yeah. like all the Edmonton Humane Society yeah. stuff was this Absolutely. week. Absolutely. Like, oh, there's Camille. There's Anna. There, you know, like it's just like I I have my a Google alert, you know, for anytime animal justice, and it's like every day it's like, oh, what's happening now? What's happening now? You know, which is awesome. And now we're looking around this room, and any second people are starting. People are already starting yeah. to flow in. We're looking at around 200 people coming in yeah. tonight. Pretty incredible. And you know what? I the guest list when I looked at the finished guest list, I was like, this is an unprecedented gathering of animal rights people. I was like so excited and so many people that are not only dynamic, but they are just such compassionate, loving people. And, and so, yeah, I'm so excited today. There's going to be a lot of hugs. It's going to be fantastic. Kim, <laughs> yeah. thanks for sharing. Yeah, We're looking pleasure. forward to seeing you tonight. Are you going to be dancing, uh, Peter? I'm or? sure it's all going to go down tonight. Yeah, okay, it's going to be a big night. Big night. See you soon. <laughs> All right, now I'm here with some very special guests. They're all special, but anyway, some very special guests, especially because my co-author, co-editor, uh, Katie Sykes from Thompson Rivers University, and another good friend from Vancouver, a real live animal lawyer, Rebecca, I'm going to say breeder. I hope I get it right. Is it breeder? I knew it. 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 People do that all the time just because, you know, I deal The moment I said it, I was like, wait a minute, I'm going to say it wrong. I was like, the moment I said it, I was like, I'm going to do the opposite. And I know that. All right, great to have you both here. Really pleased. Katie, you came all the way from uh, Kamloops. And uh, how does it feel to be here for Animal Justice 10 year anniversary? It is amazing. It just looks so gorgeous here. The, the um, location is absolutely fantastic. And all these happy, beautiful, beautifully dressed people are here to support animals. Yeah, and the worst, the only downside is right now I'm holding us up from our first you know, drink of the evening. But that's what well, we're going to be there soon. We'll be there soon. I'm sure the listeners believe we haven't had our first drink of the evening yet. Oh, okay. Well, I haven't had my first drink, so you're holding me up. Rebecca, thanks so much for coming out all the way from Vancouver. How does it feel to be part of this event? 
Oh, it's so, it's unbelievable to be here. First of all, I just, in a way, I still can't believe it because, you know, when I started doing this over 10 years ago, there was like, I knew of one lawyer who did this. And this is the reason why it's so important to me is because it's so nice to see organizations and other lawyers in the animal law world add their voices to the legal animal law movement. And I think it's absolutely fantastic. And it's a great excuse to dress up. Absolutely. That too. I'm at 18 years, so I know how lonely it was back in the day. And even when uh, we were planning our book, which I'll plug here, Canadian Perspective on Animals and the Law, that Katie and I did with uh, Professor Vaughn Black, the three of us put it together. We were, we were talking about how much the field was grown, and part of the idea with doing this book was sort of to recognize uh, that growth back in yeah. 2015. Yeah, and sort of ho hoping that it would be a catalyst for more people to get interested and take it seriously, and I think that that worked, don't you think? We yeah. were successful in that. Yeah, so do I. I think all these... Uh, all these various catalysts go together. It's yeah. really, I mean, we have animal lawyers, we have animal justice, we have professors doing this research, yeah. and I don't think any of these things work alone. I think they all work together. It's all an unbelievably important kind of it's important a piece circle. of the puzzle. Everything yes. feeds into more like a stone that keeps on rolling, right? And we have three, three profs of animal law here. Katie teaches at, uh, at Thompson Rivers, and Rebecca also teaches at UBC. I teach at, at Alberta. How was your first year? This was Katie's first year teaching animals in the law. How I was it? I have done it at Dal Dalhousie before, a long time ago. Um, so it was my first time at Thompson Rivers, and the first time I've done it in, I think, eight years or something. I can't remember. Um, and it was absolutely fantastic. Shout out to my 21, I think, very, very keen and passionate students. We like to pretend they're listening. We do. It's, it it keeps some, me going. Some I like of to them believe. will hear this, I'm sure, because they, they got into the podcast. The podcast started during our semester, so uh, it got talked up a lot in class. And well, it's my running joke it. that no one's listening. That's my. I know it's not true because I see the numbers, That's but I, I, I'm of this view that no one's listening. So I'm hoping. Let's hope for the best. All right, good to and know. Also, my students, most of them were three L's, and they're um, graduating today. They have graduated today, Yay! so congratulations and to them. Fantastic! And I it have is. To say the students loved Katie too, and and I have to say I loved your students. They, they were fantastic. Were so Such awesome. a good group. Rebecca of students. came as a guest speaker to my class twice. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic! They I loved you. I, I think this uh, this is going to be one hell of a night. There's a wonderful group of people here, and yeah. we're looking forward to celebrating the next uh, ten years of animal justice. I, it's hard to imagine how much more we're going to accomplish because it's, it's been so great so far. There's still a lot to do, no question. Al always a lot to do, yeah. but tonight we're celebrating, recognizing yeah. all we've done and what's going forward. So. Cheers to that, for sure. Thank you so much. Let's go get a, a drink at the bar and uh, enjoy the rest of this evening. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. It's wonderful to be here. My pleasure, too. I'm here now with Rajiv Nambiar. He's been a longtime supporter of Animal Justice, and we're really thrilled to have him here with us tonight. Welcome to Paw and Order. Thank you. Um, I was hoping, Rajiv, you could tell us you've been supporting us for a long time, uh, certainly helping out with our Christmas gala, which is where I met you uh, this year. How does it feel to be here for the 10-year anniversary? Yeah, I know this is great. I mean, it uh, doesn't seem like it's been a long time. I mean, I've only been associated for the past five or six years, but this is a fantastic milestone. It, it's pretty incredible to see how much animal justice has grown. Could you tell me a little bit, like, what, what drew you to the organization? Like, what was it about what we do that was uh, so appealing to you? Sure. Uh, actually, I was trying to uh, rescue a puppy, which, and I got into a legal issue with the owner, uh, and I got met Nick at that time. And meeting him, I realized that I can either try and save a couple of puppies or try to save all the dogs. 
And I thought this was a better cause because we're trying to change the constitution. And I believe in that. And I just started to focus my resources here as opposed to just, you know, specific to couple of animal rescue organizations and since then I've started hosting the December event which I do every year and it's come a long way so yeah Chris uh, I mean Nick and Camille have been fantastic ambassadors of what I believe in so yeah. it's funny that you say that because uh, I got to tell you on street so I'm a law professor and my name's out there for animal law stuff and I get contacted by so many people who just like their dog or their cat has been something has happened to their dog or their cat and it's like I feel so bad and it's just like but like you I, I, I usually don't respond or deal with their complaints mainly because I feel there are bigger issues that need to be dealt with so it's really interesting you put it that way um, now uh, how, how have you seen this group grow obviously this is probably the biggest event we've ever had pretty amazing to be a part of all this yeah and of course like I this is this is amazing like the first of all 10 years is a big milestone and I think we've come a long way and having the support of these people is just fantastic well we look forward to having you along Rajiv it's been really uh, fantastic to get your support and hopefully uh, be a part of this for a long time to come uh, yes of course thank you so much Thanks yeah. for being All right, I'm here now with uh, Nathaniel Erskine-Smith, liberal MP, and he was the author of uh, the late lamented Bill C-246, <laughs> which we had quite a bit of contact on. Nathaniel, welcome to the Animal Justice Gala. Yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah, fantastic to see you. This is the first time we've met in person. We spoke over the phone uh, before, but uh, we appreciate having parliamentarians uh, taking on these animal issues, and you've been one of the leaders in that. How, how, how's it going on the Hill? So there are a few small initiatives to push the agenda forward bit by bit on banning cosmetic testing on animals, uh, ending the captivity of cetaceans, and we're likely to see some movement on the justice file on animal fighting and bestiality, although not much more than that, or, or anything more than that, frankly, at the moment. And so I would say baby steps. But it's, I, to some extent, laid a foundation with an animal welfare caucus. It's part of the conversation in Ottawa. I can't tell you, I've got a number of MPs that come up to me all the time and say, hey, Nate, what's going on with your bill? We've got, we got to move that forward. We got, so at the very least, the conversation started. Yeah, and I think that's important. And uh, animal justice has tried to be a part of that conversation. Absolutely. You've worked with animal justice before. Uh, how, how, what, are, what are your connections and feelings with, with this group? So I, I think the advocacy of animal justice is absolutely necessary, and I see success when animal justice goes to court. I see success when animal justice uh, gets in front of the, uh, the news and, and raises just the profile of these issues uh, for the general public. But we also see success on the Hill, and it's necessary when you have MPs and parliamentarians that roll out the red carpet for... Uh, meat and uh, animal use industries and lobbyists, it's incredibly important that we level the playing field by having strong advocates like Animal Justice. Fantastic. Now, Nate, what, 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 what made you get into this? I know you have a lot of interests. I know animals are not the only thing you're, you're doing up on Parliament Hill. Um, what, what, what drove you into you know, supporting these types of initiatives? So on a personal level, my mom raised me vegetarian and for animal welfare reasons and animal, animal rights reasons. I've been vegan for a long time. My, my wife and I are raising our, our now almost two-year-old son vegan. Uh, so it's a personal issue. I think uh, if more people were vegan, the world would be a better place. Uh, but also my constituents, uh, when I reached out to my constituents when I had a private member's bill slot and said, what issues matter to you? Overwhelmingly, they wrote back to me about a, a variety of animal issues. Um, and so I don't think this is just um, an issue that, that 
uh, vegans care about. This cr cuts across the political spectrum, and a lot of people, whether they've got it's because they've got pets or otherwise, people care about treating animals with compassion and and with humanity. Well, we, we're we're lucky to have people like you on the hill. Um, I know, as someone who's been fighting these issues in in the courts and uh, in law schools, uh, it, it does take small steps. It is a matter of getting people with like-minded visions together, and we're we're thrilled that you've been a supporter of our cause, and we look forward to supporting you on the hill. So, best of luck out there. We need we need all the help we can get on Parliament Hill getting some of our initiatives passed. I think that's right, and I think at the end of the day politicians will respond when the Canadian electorate demands it and so at the moment raising issues is important for the purpose of education and for inserting these ideas into our our public debate and so it's great to be here to support animal justice because I know with voices like animal justice that's we're, we're gonna see movement in the future fantastic I'll let you go in a sec I'll just tell you that you, you might not know the first guests on this Paw and Order podcast tonight were my two kids before I left today, my two kids, uh, seven, uh, nine and six, who have been vegan all their lives. So good luck on that journey with your two-year-old. If, uh, if the podcast exists in five years, you can have my son on. Fantastic. I look forward to it. I'm here at the gala with Alana Devine, who was the first ever guest at Pawn Order, and it is now going off at the gala. Alana, how does it feel? It feels unbelievable to be at the gala for the first ever national animal law organization in Canada. It, it is pretty unbelievable. Ten years just flies by, but I remember we were all working in our own little silos. Not much was going on. We were trying to advance things for animals. You had just come on the scene. I was just getting back to Canada, and now here we are, 200-plus people, tons of advocates in the room. Pretty amazing. It is amazing, and it's really nice that we all get to work together, collaborate, support one another, and, you know, get dressed up once in a while and come to an event like this and show our support for animal justice and all the important work that we're all doing to contribute to animal law in Canada. Yeah, that's what I think it's about. I'm such a big believer in celebrating because it's so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day -day disappointments, as you well know. Uh, but when we have victories, and by the way, speaking of victories, Congratulations on the incredible work you guys put in on breed-specific legislation in Quebec. That must feel pretty amazing to celebrate as well. I have to say, yeah, we are feeling very relieved and happy that uh, finally the government uh, unbelievably listened to science, facts, experts, um, and we can move on from the chapter of breed-specific legislation in Montreal in the province and work on things that are important that will actually improve the welfare of animals in our province and the protection of people. We'll have to get you back on the uh, podcast one of these days to talk about how it all went down and how you guys managed to make it happen. Really fabulous. Congratulations. And, and, and I know you're not part of the animal justice family per se. You're very busy with your own work at, uh, at uh, the SPCA in Montreal. But uh, how does it feel to have this organization doing things on the ground here? Well, I feel, I feel like an, a part of an extended family of animal justice. So I'm, I'm, it's really exciting. I mean, certainly there is work being done in animal law in a variety of different organizations, but to have an organization that is doing exclusively animal law work all across the country is, is really unbelievable. And I'm very proud to know uh, a number of the, the board members, employees, the founding member of Animal Justice, and very um, you know fortunate to be here and to be able to call you guys friends uh, as well as colleagues. Well, we're, we're, we're thrilled to have you here as well. And I'll sign off just by saying, Alana, you, you've had many accolades in your career, and you'll have many more, but you'll always be known as the first guest Pawn Order ever had. So that's got to be pretty high up on the list of accolades. It definitely is. I'll remember it forever. <laughs> Thanks, Alana. Have a great night. Thank you, Peter.
I'm here with a very special guest. She has never been on the Paw and Order podcast before, and yet she is an integral part of Paw and Order. It is the producer coming behind the microphone for the first time, Shannon Milling. Welcome to Paw and Order. Hi, guys. I'm so excited to be featured for the first time ever. Thank you for uh, considering me today. We, we actually should have done this before at some point because, as you know, Shannon does all the incredible work that makes Paw and Order possible. She runs our website. She runs all the technical work she edits out are many uh, mistakes like that i'm just gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna stop and halt and make as many weird mistakes as possible so shannon has extra work to do terrible thank you i really appreciate that um extra work <laughs> now shannon actually has a much more important job than uh, uh producer upon order you are our communications specialist is that fair to say what is your actual title because i can never remember. well my actual title is the communications and development manager of animal justice and you have done incredible work with this gala, but now we are looking out. The gala is in full swing. Is this awesome or what? Totally is. It seems like all of our hard work is finally paying off, and I just hope everyone has an amazing time tonight. I, I couldn't agree more. Now, uh, we are celebrating 10 years of animal justice, Shannon. How does it feel to be a part of this? You've been on for the last, is it three years now or two years? I, mean, I, I can't even remember. Uh, I actually hit my one year. Oh, great, one year. It's just, it's just that, you know what? It just feels like so much is happening. It feels like three. One whole year with animal justice. Happy anniversary, Shannon. Welcome aboard. Thank you. Yes, May 10th was my, was my one year um, with my dream job, and uh, I couldn't be happier. Well, we couldn't be happier either. How does it feel to be a part of this 10-year anniversary and everything that's going on? I feel so standing. I, I honestly like just being with such an amazing group of people, making so much change in the world is is uh, honestly such a blessing. I can't even put words into it. But Shannon, I have to say, like today's pawn order didn't get out. I I, I, I have to bring that up. I'm just like, holy crap! Like, were you busy with something, Shannon? Uh, oh my god. To be honest, Peter, like I felt super bad about that. I really hate missing deadlines. But if you ask my boyfriend for the past. Maybe five nights I would work all day at Animal Justice, come home, eat dinner, and then maybe around 8 o'clock till 1 a.m. work on the gala. So including last night, it's been super hectic. And I asked Camille last night, I was like, would you, I'm like, what would you think if the episode didn't come out tomorrow? And she's like, I don't know. Like, she's like, I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing, but like, how long does it take? And it was like, I don't know, already seven. And I had a bunch of stuff to do for the gala. I'm like, I don't know about like maybe five. Camille's a slave driver. I was like, no problem. And Camille's like, Camille's like, it's not out on Friday. It's like, oh my God, the world's going to end. Actually, I was just joking with uh, Shannon. She works incredibly hard getting all this stuff together. And we're really uh, thrilled to have her as part of Animal Justice. And look at this. Maybe we'll get together on the 20th anniversary and do this all over again. But what a night it is. What a night. Well, we are uh, very excited to move on. We will continue on with our Animal Justice uh, podcast at the gala. But uh, thanks so much, Shannon, for all you do for Animal Justice. Uh, thank you, Peter. It means a lot. I am here with uh, the man himself who brought this all together, uh, Nick Wright, who is the founder of Animal Justice. Nick, here we are. It's the 10-year gala. It's in full swing. Unbelievable. Peter, it's great to be here. I'm thrilled uh, that you're here from Alberta, that uh, the people I was talking to are here from uh, British Columbia, people from all across the country uh, in the animal law and animal protection community have flown out for this event. And it's so wonderful to see everyone here together and dressed up and looking great. Yeah, that's what we wanted to do. I mean, uh, sorry, that's what you wanted to do, Nick. You, uh, you wanted, you had this gleam in your eye 10 years ago to set up a, a national organization and uh, here we are. Here we are, and it's so uh, wonderful to take an opportunity to look back 
at what we've accomplished over the past 10 years, which has been monumental, but then so exciting to think about what we have in the next 10 years ahead and how with this incredible uh, community, this incredible group of supporters, uh, we'll be unstoppable and making radical and significant and positive changes for animals all across Canada. Fantastic. Well, Nick, uh, you were our guest on the last edition of Pawn Order, so we've heard what animal justice uh, means to you. Uh, what does a night like this feel? Again, I I'm guessing uh, you, you never imagined you were going to have a night like this. I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine to have a night. It there's literally 200 people in here. It's incredible. Uh, it's incredible, and it's so nice to see so many old friends, so many new friends. It's so important to bring everyone together and create that sense of community to say that, yes, there are other people that are uh, compassionate, that care about animal issues, and that are willing to uh, take action to come together and uh, help build an organization like Animal Justice to make real change. Well, uh, Nick, thanks for uh, getting this started. It was a tremendous thing to get Animal Justice up and running and uh, make the move towards a, a, a really, a truly national organization that would fight for animals uh, in the legal field. So thanks for all you've done to make that possible. Well, thanks so much, Peter. I've had a, a great time. and looking forward to the rest of the evening. All right, let's move it on. Bonjour ce soir pour notre uh, auditeur en français. Je suis ici avec mon be bel ami. Oh my God. Mon Dieu, Valérie, tu veux m'aider? Parce que mon français, c'est vraiment risible. Hein? Oh, non, non, c'est terrible. Je suis ici avec mon ami. Elle est vraiment une force en le, 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 um, les, éthiques et, les éthiques et les droits des animaux en Québec. Valérie Giroux. Valérie, bienvenue à la gala. Bonjour, Peter. Merci beaucoup. Je suis euh, vraiment euh, très fier de dire que, que Valérie est une bonne amie de beaucoup de ans déjà. Et euh, Valérie, tu es ici euh, pour, pour ce gala. C'est incroyable. 10 ans de Animal Justice. Comment ça va? Qu'est-ce que, qu que tu dis à ce, ce, cet événement? <rire> Je m'excuse. Je ne parle pas beaucoup de français en Edmonton. Comment? Merci. Valérie. Euh, ben, je suis très heureuse d'être ici ce soir euh, parce que ben, la, la justice pour les animaux, c'est évidemment euh, un combat qui me tient euh, incroyablement à cœur. C'est ce pourquoi je me bats moi-même euh, chaque jour euh, dans, dans le cadre de mes, de mes recherches en éthique animale. Et je pense qu'on fait des progrès. Euh, je suis très heureuse de, de constater ça. Je ne pense pas qu'il faut euh, euh, se, se réjouir trop rapidement. Tout reste à faire euh, pour les animaux. Enfin, on constate très peu de changements concrets, réels. Il faut s'encourager, oui, certes. Je pense qu'il faut être fier de ce qu'on accomplit, mais ne pas se réjouir trop tôt et voir que, reconnaître que tout le combat reste à, reste à faire. Beaucoup, beaucoup reste à faire. En effet, en effet. il faut donc euh, surtout ne pas se, se décourager, je pense, et évidemment, euh, juste se relever les manches et continuer. Oui, de temps en temps, c'est important de célébrer qu ce qu'on a fait. Il y a beaucoup qui reste, c'est certainement vrai, mais... Il y a des fois que euh, c'est un, un, un soir euh, pour célébrer vraiment qu'est-ce que 10 ans. Et, et nous avons une organisation nationale pour euh, vraiment combattre pour euh, le meilleur droit pour les animaux. Hein? Oui, absolument. Et si, on a, si de temps à autre, comme ça, euh, on se refuse de, de se dire ben, voilà ce qu'on a accompli, on va, on va tout simplement se décourager. Psychologiquement, c'est absolument essentiel en effet de se dire de temps à autre ben, bravo quand même. Euh, on se bat contre vents et marées, contre. Euh, une idéologie, une hégémonie euh, carniste, euh, spéciste, dominante. Le combat est terrible. 
terriblement difficile et euh, malgré tout, on continue. Alors, je pense que oui, on a de quoi se féliciter, ne serait-ce que pour notre, notre endurance, notre détermination, notre témérité dans tout ça. Oui, oui, tout à fait. Et nous sommes plus euh, forts qu'il que, y a dix ans. Hein? Vraiment, nous sommes plus forts que, que, que d'avant. Hein? On aurait pu s'y attendre parce que les arguments sont quand même de notre côté. Hein? On... Toujours. Alors, c'est plus facile, disons, de, 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 normalement, d'obtenir de, de certaines victoires quand on a, quand on a, quand on a raison. Mais euh, il reste que bon, le poids des habitudes, le poids de, de l'industrie, c'est quand même des... des, des des défis euh, monstrueux et, et, et il faut euh, il faut surtout pas euh, se, 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 il faut surtout pas ralentir il faut surtout pas se, euh, de, avoir l'impression que qu'on a déjà gagné ou euh, dès qu'on sort un petit peu de notre de notre milieu un petit peu de notre milieu euh, privilégié où on est entre nous on se rend compte que non non il n'y a rien de y a rien d'acquis je, 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 je pense que c'était meilleur si j'ai dit ça en avant mais ça, c'est pour euh, mon podcast que je fais avec Camille. Ça, oui. ça s'appelle, tu connais? Oui, ça s'appelle Pawn Order. Hein? Oui. C'est -ce quoi Pawn Order en français? Il n'y a pas vraiment un mot parce que c'est le nom d'une. Euh, ouais. C'est vraiment le nom d'une euh, émission, euh, oui, une série en une anglais. Law and order, ouais. Ok, on va dire en, en Montréal, mais Pawn Order. C'est ça, oui, c'est vraiment en anglais, on peut, on peut le dire. Moi, je peux le dire. Non, je, en effet, je pense que ça se traduit très mal. Ben, enfin, je n'arriverai pas à trouver la bonne traduction. OK. Moi, merci et bienvenue à Pawn Order, merci Valérie. C'est un plaisir de parler un peu en français pour moi. Ça m'a été très bon. Je, je pense que beaucoup de notre auditeur vont dire « Qu'est-ce qui se passe pour trois, deux, trois minutes? <rire> Tellement de français ici. C'est incroyable. » All right, I'm back at the gala. The gala is going off, and I am here with a bevy of law professors. It is law professors, PhD candidates who will be law professors. Very exciting. And there's Leslie Bisgold, who I have been chasing down. She gets her own interview later, because I've known Leslie. Leslie and I go way back. Leslie and I are the old people of the uh, animal law movement. But I am here very excited with my friend Jody Lazar from Dalhousie. And my new friend, Angela, um, it's Lee, that's what I thought. I didn't want to mess it up. Angela Lee, I've also got over here uh, on my sides is my new colleague joining me to create the Animal Law Powerhouse U of A, Jess Geisen. But first, I'm here with Jody Lazar, Angela Lee. How do you guys feel at the Animal Justice 10-year gala? I feel fabulous. It's great. Yeah, this, this is very exciting. I'm so happy to be here with all of you. So, Angela, you're coming up a young PhD student, and... Uh, Unlike uh, back in the day when I was going out looking, who the hell is there? And, you know, looking, I had to go down to the U.S. to meet anybody who was doing animal law at the time because there really was just about nobody. And uh, you, you got a whole bunch of people around here working on that. It's pretty amazing. Ten years of an organization like this uh, feels pretty good, doesn't it? For sure. It's really encouraging to see animal law kind of moving up in the forefront, not only of the legal academy, but also of the popular imagination. And to see this being talked about more in the media and within the public and through avenues like this. So, yeah, I'm really excited about it. And I've just met Angela, who is a Ph.D. student writing a Ph.D. on animals and the law. Can you tell us a little bit about your thesis, Angela, at least the title and the subject? 
Yeah, of course. So my subject is actually animal adjacent. So I deal broadly with issues related to technology and food and social justice. So problematizing some of these new biotechnologies relating to animal products, including things like genetically engineered animals and in vitro meat, and arguing that we need to think a little bit more critically about the systemic implications of these developments, not only for animals, but also for the environment and for social justice and for the food system more broadly. Fantastic. I think we're going to have to bring Angela on for a full episode of Paul in order to discuss that. It sounds amazing. Yeah, That's really publications fun. that have come out recently, so I'd be happy to talk about them with you. Congratulations. The more animal law professors we can get going in this country, the better. Now, my friend over here, Jody Lazar, who I've done some work with recently uh, on uh, animals involving uh, pet custody issues. Jody does a lot of incredible work on family law issues. What you're working on now, Jody? Oh, we're going to talk in a minute about your animal law course, but... Uh, yeah, what you been doing? I am finishing up some uh, family law work and actually in the pipes have an article underway on the subject that you and I work together on, Peter. Uh, hoping to get an article together on the question of who owns the dog or who gets custody of the dog upon family breakdown, which uh, is um, the sort of ultimate blend of my two interests in family law and animal law, so I'm really excited about that. We're excited to see it because the more research we can get going in this country, the better. So, Jody, you're coming out. You've been, is this your first, you finished your first full year as a professor, is that right? Yes, my first full year as a permanent professor. And uh, Jody is uh, teaching uh, a course in Animals in the Law at Dalhousie, taking over from the only person who's been, you know, older and doing this longer than me in this country, which was uh, my good friend Vaughn Black, who's now retired. But, uh, uh, What's it like, Jody? How was that first year teaching animal law? Uh, Vaughn's shoes are huge ones to fill, I will say that, but it's been absolutely fantastic. The students are super engaged. There's so much to talk about. Uh, we have Salad at Dow, the student animal law group. <laughs> and they're wonderful, and uh, they bring all kinds of speakers in. And anyway, the course, the course has been Really fantastic. Everyone's super interested. I got papers on a range of subjects. One of my students, uh, the paper that he wrote for the course, uh, won a writing award this year on um, related to the personhood question. So yeah, it's been great. Fantastic. And I hear, I'm, I'm, I'm especially partial to Jody's course because I hear she sometimes recommends Paw and Order podcasts. Is that right? I look forward to recommending many Paw and Order podcasts. To be fair, the podcast started after I finished my class in the fall, but I am struggling to determine which podcast to assign as mandatory reading in my class. Fantastic. Well, Angela and uh, Jody, it's, it's great to have you. How, how, do you. how do you feel about animal justice, 10 years of this organization coming together? And look what we've uh, blown it up. Pretty incredible. Yeah, they're doing really important work, and they're one of the only organizations of their kind doing this kind of work in Canada. And so we're thrilled to see such an enthusiastic turnout and see such support for animals and their welfare and well-being in Canada. Yeah, I think it's a long time coming for Canada to have an organization like this. I mean, we all know about the ALDF and the amazing work that they've done in the U.S., and, uh, and I'm thrilled to see that, you know, being taken up in, in Canada. Animal justice is doing such important work. I'm thrilled to have so many academic colleagues working in this area. Time to go in for dinner, guys. Thanks for your comments, and welcome to Pawn Order. Thank you. Thanks, Peter. I'm back at the gala. I am here with an old friend of mine, 
I think Leslie and I have been around doing this about as long as anyone in this room. I'm here with Leslie Bisgold, who is uh, Canada's first animal rights lawyer and now teaching animal law at the University of Toronto. We've known each other a long time. Leslie, welcome to Paw and Order. Thank you. So good to be here. And welcome to the Animal Justice Gala. Leslie, you were there in the early days. I remember when I was starting to do some animal law research way back in New Zealand. I saw your name on the horizon trying to you know, do things here in Canada, and uh, you've been there since the early days. Could, could you ever imagine we'd be having a night like this with 200-plus people celebrating 10 years of animal justice? No, it's completely ridiculous. I'm looking around right now, and I still can't believe it. It's Animal events uh, are events that take place in libraries with seven people, and we have crackers for snacks if we're lucky. And I look around the room, and there's a whole new audience, a whole new crowd, and the message is out there. It's really phenomenal. Yeah, we've grown up, and you're sitting at a group here with, uh, I'm sitting here looking at this group of like young women scholars who are like these PhDs who have like done their PhD work in animal law, and it's just like, I, I honestly, like, I, I, I mean, I knew it was possible, but I never really imagined it was possible, and like, uh, it must be just, it's, I'm sure you feel like I do. Well, it's, it's a serious idea now, right? Like, people try to dismiss it, but they can't really, the way it was a little bit easier in the old days. Now it's a serious idea. Everybody knows somebody who's thinking about it. Every, almost everybody seems to have a vegan restaurant in their neighborhood now. It's, it's gone from freaky to, I can't get a reservation. So things are just changing astronomically, and uh, it's about time. And what do you think the impact of animal justice has been in uh, Canada? Again, you've seen the rise from the early days. And, and what do you think uh, have been the biggest, you know, what, what does animal justice mean to Canada right now? Well, I think it's, it plays a really important role in normalizing and legitimizing the topic as a valid topic of serious discussion and conversation. So that's a really important role to play in the present. But what I think really matters to me so much is I, I speak to so many students who want a future protecting animals, who think about animal rights and don't know what to do, and now animal justice has created a space where it's feasible, it's actually imaginable that you could work for animals with your law degree, or frankly with any other degree, but it's, it, it just makes it all possible. It allows people to dream, it gives people a place to go, and, and that's probably the most important thing they could do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for coming out and supporting Animal Justice tonight, Leslie. It's been it's been great working with you all these years, and uh, I hope there's many more to come working with Animal Justice together. I hope so. Thanks, Peter. Can you believe it's over? I'm here with my co-host, <laughs> a very tired but exhilarated Camille Labchuk. She's saying goodbye to everyone who's on their way out. Camille, a few words. How does it feel? Uh, this was the most epic night, honestly, of my life. Uh, being in that room with over 200 just incredible people, that was the best feeling ever. And Peter, you're saying it's over, but the, really the night is just about to begin because now that my speech is over, I can actually have fun. <laughs> it's time to relax a bit. It was a great night, Camille. Great speech, really powerful. I think people really just uh, felt great about animal justice and bringing it all together. It was, uh, it was really just touching to to watch a video of everything that animal justice has done and hear from people who are just committed to this cause. Really, really special. Yeah, honestly, I had tears in my eyes a couple points throughout this evening. <laughs> Definitely when the video is playing, that retrospective look at all that we've accomplished together as a community in this country just blows my mind to reflect on it. So thank you to everyone who's been a part of that. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's really been special to be a part of it and to connect with so many people from around the country. Really, people come from all over just to, to come in and wish us well and celebrate with us and, and sort of look forward to the next uh, 10 years of animal justice. So it has been amazing. I am pleased to sign off with this special paw and order and uh, enjoy the rest of the evening. Uh, let's bring it home, Camille. All right, guys. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> That's uh, signing out from paw and order. Heroes and Zeros. And now it's time for everybody's favorite segment, Heroes and Zeros. Yeah, so, Camille, I think we I think we have to amend it, right? Cuz I somebody somebody wrote in and said they really liked it, but it wasn't their favorite segment. So I know Jesse I know. on Facebook. It was Jesse. I, Hi Jesse. <laughs> I I don't know. I feel like it's false advertising now. Well, I, I feel like still it's probably most people's favorite segment, just not Jesse's favorite segment. So, hey, so I'll I, take I, So if we say everybody's favorite, I hope everybody will understand from now on that um, we're saying that in a general fashion. Is that fair to say? We're not. Don't take us literally. Yeah. Don't take it literally. So, most people's favorite se- section. So with that in mind, it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show, Heroes and Zeros. Okay, so Peter, we have a bit of an unexpected hero this week. We're we're giving the hero award to Member of Parliament Robert Sopak. I'm literally bouncing in my chair right now, Camille. I've never been this excited. <laughs> Some of you may remember that just a few episodes ago, we actually gave MP Sopak the zero award. So you might be wondering why he's now the hero. Well, first of all, Peter, do you remember why we gave him the zero? Oh my God, he produced, I thought he was the hero that week too, Camille, if you remember, because he <laughs> produced this hilarious video about uh, Alberta cattle and how they're good for the environment. I, w- I loved it. It was hilarious. Yeah. So listeners, or if you pay attention to federal politics at all, you'll know that he is one of the biggest obstacles in the House of Commons standing in the way of meaningful legal reform for animals. He opposes he fights everything. fixing... Yeah, he fights everything. He opposes animal cruelty legislation. Um, He led the charge. He, one time, Michael Bernard from HSI and I were sitting in the House of Commons. He stood up, looked at us, and then asked a question um, back when his government, the conservatives, were were in power. And he used the words radical animal rights activists and looked right at us. So he's not a fan of activists. He's not a fan of doing things for animals. Can I I just uh, say, wait, before you go for it. Can I just, before you go forward, I, I just want to say, like, not only that, like, some of the stuff that comes out of his mouth, I mean, the environmental stuff was ridiculous anyway, but when he was opposing Bill C-246, he wrote a series of opinion pieces across the country that were literally so ridiculous in their overblown hyperbole about what the bill was going to do, and so unfounded in logic that I felt it necessary to do a 30-minute video debunking Sopuck's ridiculous statements, where I called them, where I, I graded them in a variety to barely sort of misleading to completely and utterly preposterous. And I'm hoping Shannon can link to that in the show notes because it was just absolutely ludicrous. So that's the kind of MP Robert Sokup is. Sokup is. And yet he's our hero of the month, Camille. I know. And wait, one more thing that he's done. He's also been honored by Safari Club International, which is the trophy hunters who kill elephants in Africa as an international legislator of the year. So you know whose well, pocket he's in. It's the meat, tro- uh, the dairy uh, industry, the, the trophy hunting industry, and the fishing industries. But so today, but Camille, our he hero. is our hero. He's our hero. I'm so excited. It's because he's retiring. 
He's resigning. He's done. Oh my God, Robert, Robert, you've done the right thing. It's time for you yeah. to move on. Yeah, he announced, <laughs> apparently, this happened last month, although I missed it until recently. Uh, he's not going to run again in the next election. So after 2019, he won't be an MP anymore. And I'm not going to miss him. Can we get some applause inserted here? Yes, Robert, you did it. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. You are unquestionably our hero of the month, uh, hero of the week. Although, Camille, we should say, honestly, you know, in any other week, in any other week, except when Robert Osopak <laughs> resigns, um, we, we, of course, would have given this to our friends at the Montreal SPCA who did such great work for the, the, the horse carriages and getting such an incredible win. So, uh, but, but we, we can't do it this week. It's just, it's too, it, we, we're almost giddy <laughs> we're just that too Robert is leaving politics. Oh my God. All right, Camille. That feels like, you know, we need to stop there on such a high, but we got to go on to our zero. How do you feel about our zero of the month? We're giving it to the Durham Regional Police, Camille. Fill us in. What's going on with them? That's right. So the Durham Regional Police have charged a, an animal advocate named Malcolm Klimowicz. Malcolm, I'm sorry. I'm probably butchering your name, but I'm, I'm trying. Uh, Malcolm has just been charged with break and enter by the police. Malcolm uh, got some footage last summer from Ontario fur firms. He went to a number of firms and he filmed what he saw. He walked onto them at night and he filmed minks in serious states of distress. There were some minks with missing ears and open wounds. Uh, there were piles of feces and urine all over the place under these disgusting cages, just crawling with maggots. Uh, there were some rabbits in tiny cages. He saw a house of horrors and Malcolm submitted a complaint. Uh, so far, there's no, no charges that have been laid against any of these mink farms, but Malcolm himself, predictably, the whistleblower, is now being prosecuted. Fantastic. Great work. Crack by the police uh, squad. And uh, yeah, I think it's symbolic of where we're at, that we're going to have uh, people who are investigating. We've seen this time and time again. The people who investigate these things uh, are, are the ones who ultimately get charged for trespass. And, and let me just say, there's there's a bunch of little things we could touch on in this. But I, I mean, I, I'm I'm... I'm not one to necessarily encourage the trespass or, or breaking and entering or, you know, we're going to talk about whether that was met in this case. Um, but, but it troubles me that, that charges are laid against the people who do that in situations when we, we live in a country where investigation of these uh, uh, farms just doesn't happen at all on its own anyway. So essentially they're given carte blanche to do more or less what they want, and we see what that results in. Yeah, and you know, the Ontario SPCA did just lay uh, charges against a fur farm, but the only reason that that came about is because another group, Last Chance for Animals, had an undercover investigator there and collected footage. So, like, these charges are not happening without that type of action. And we've seen the same things with Mercy for Animals investigations. It, it's like we're essentially relying on these private individuals right now to do the public enforcement work that should be being done. And so, you know, setting up the system where animals are not being protected and then prosecuting the people who are just trying to do something about that strikes me as so fundamentally unfair. Yeah, and it's been it's been going on. I mean, we've seen similar stuff with the Anita Crimes trial and other cases uh, of that type. And it's 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 yeah, it's sort of symbolic of the of the strange system we live in. That's no no question about it. Yeah, and you know this could well turn out to be round two of the pig trial. Maybe we'll start using the hashtag mink trial because I think mm. that this is going to touch a nerve with a lot of people who see that fundamental unfairness and they see those animals suffering and authorities going after the person trying to help. 
It's kind of interesting, Camille. I, I don't know if you've had a chance to look at your criminal code lately when we're talking about the charge of breaking and enter. I, I believe you have. It's, it's actually super interesting, Peter. So the first thing I did when I heard that Malcolm had been charged is I looked up the offense of break and enter because no matter how many times you look at these things, you always see something fresh when you look at it with a, a fresh set of eyes. And Peter... Believe it or not, in the offense of break and enter, there's a specific section that says it's an offense to go on to a fur farm. They have like their own special provision in this general offense of breaking and entering. It was crazy it, to see. It is crazy weird. So essentially, for those of you uh, thinking about committing a breaking and enter, and I'm, I'm hoping that's none of you, um, then the, 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 the section is defined as a place. It's only a crime to break and enter a place. Although I should stress, by the way, that there are, there are various forms of breaking and entering for cars and other things. And uh, Oh, sorry. Actually, they're covered in, in this uh, definition. But, I mean, so you, if you break and enter a dwelling house, a building or a structure that's not a dwelling house, a railway vehicle, vessel, or aircraft, and then finally, a pen or an enclosure in which fur-bearing animals are kept in captivity. So keep that in mind. <laughs> if you want to break and enter a chicken coop or uh, a, you know, a stable that's not considered a building or structure, you're good to go. But apparently, the fur farmers get special protection. I wonder why that is, Camille. Yeah, I know. Well, we actually wondered that too. So uh, Crystal, summer student Crystal, shout out to Crystal, uh, did a little legal research and looked it up. And apparently this provision goes all the way back to at least 1913 or so when I think the fur farming industry, the fox farming industry was just getting started then on PEI and the fur farmer people pushed for it back then. So it's amazing the, the power and the influence that this industry has had. Um, I think that influence is waning at this point in time because I think fewer and fewer people are wearing fur and it doesn't provide uh, that much of an economic benefit. So, you know, it'd be great to see this section taken out someday. Yeah, it would be fantastic. But, uh, well, the good news is if we try to do that, we won't have to worry about Robert Sobach. <laughs> he won't be standing there in the way. <laughs> Because I'm sure he would say it was an outrage and that the world is going to fall and that Canadians will not be able to eat anyway. Enough yeah, for over soap buck. That was probably. that was that was that was well good hopefully fun. one day we'll just flat out ban fur farming in this country and until that day I hope that Malcolm um, successfully defends himself against his charge. Absolutely. We'd like to thank all our listeners for tuning in. Please, a reminder, you can subscribe to the Paw & Order podcast using iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. And please, please leave us a rating and a review, which helps us reach more people. You can also share the podcast so that others have the opportunity to listen to it. And we always welcome donations to Animal Justice, which makes Paw & Order possible. You can find me on Twitter at, at Peter Sankoff, on Facebook at uh, Professor Sankoff, and at my website, petersankoff.com. And you can find me online on Twitter at, at Camille Lavchuk, same handle on Instagram. And we always enjoy Twitter conversations about the show or any other animal law or political topics. And finally, thank you so much to our producer, Shannon Milling. See you next time on Order.